When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Real Bucks Talk podcast. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, and Podbean. Be sure to follow us at Real Bucks Talk on all social media platforms. I'm your host, Michael Plus, and as always, my man, Mark Ramirez, uh, co-hosting with me. Mark, how are we doing tonight? Uh, Pretty uh, solid weekend, I would say. Yeah, it was. I went to a wedding yesterday and had a few drinks to drink. Took half the morning off for work, and now we're here with the Bucks football talk right yeah yeah uh we had the uh a lot of things happen over the weekend as far as news news wise goes we had the uh scouting combine which will will just present some takeaways later um on the episode tonight but first of all i mean a lot of things went down as far as just rumors quarterbacks you know that's been pretty much the whole talk this offseason you know the decision on Jameis winston uh you had a lot of reports today uh that just Got a lot of fans riled up and all over the place talking, you know, we're all sides of, of the realm. Um, but, you know, first off, let's talk about uh, we had, I think it was Thursday or f- maybe early Friday, the uh, the Tom Brady uh, to the Bucks. There's a lot of talk there as far as, you know, Brady potentially looking at, at the Bucks as a potential option to, to sign with. Um, just your thoughts on that and um, really what you think of a potential move to, to Tom Brady. To be honest, I would love Tom Brady. I think everyone should want Tom Brady. But it's still, it's like shit in the wind. I highly doubt that would ever happen. If it did, I'd be ecstatic. Maybe I'm trying to think this way just so I hope it does happen. But, I mean, Tampa, small market, Brady. I just, I don't even know if Boston would let that happen. Or if ESPN would let that happen, let alone. I you're talking the best quarterback to play the game coming to Tampa for right. his final, what, two years or so. But if you look at it, it, it would be in his best interest. We have all the weapons that he would want, correct? I mean, mm-hmm. you have an O.J. Howard that resembles a Gronk. You have Chris Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, two beast wide receivers who would be easy as hell to throw to. Didn't have any of that in New England. So, that. Everything that he needs is here. Yeah, everyone's going to say, oh, he doesn't have an offensive line. Well, again, like we talked about in the last podcast, it's not all just a downfield offense. Everyone keeps getting pigeonholed and just pounding their head into the floor saying it's a down-the-field offense. Yes, there's options wanting that. But if the timing isn't there, there's other routes. And that's where people are just blind not to see. And... Brady is quick getting the ball out. So if the quick route of the deep options there, because the safety's not helping over the top, he's going to take it. It's just a quicker read. He just can do that. Mm-hmm. So would I want a Tom Brady in Tampa Bay? Hell yeah. That's an easy answer. Right. But do I think it's likely that he comes? I highly doubt it. And I'm going to keep saying that until it actually happens, but we're not going to know anything for another, what, two weeks? So Yeah, I mean, it's... Long answer short... I would love to have him here, but I doubt it happens. Right. I, I don't see it very likely. I'll put it at that. Uh, it's just you have a lot of things just being said, uh, and that's across the league. Um, it's it's part of negotiations. It's part of tactics. Uh, there's a lot of lying going on. I mean, this is lying season, so mm-hmm. you know you, people lie every day. And um, now, especially in business, when you're talking money, I mean, there's 
there's people going to say things just to say things to, you know, try to get other, you know, other things to happen. So, and I think that's some of the case with the Bucks and Jameis Winston and their, their negotiation, negotiating tactics. So, uh, but with that said, uh, I think we had that, I think early Thursday or Friday morning. And then we had the report of, um, the Bucks potentially not, or they're not going to tag, uh, Jameis. At least that's the report. They're going to let him, uh, you know, walk or let him test free agency and see what his, his market is there. Um, and they're taking that chance. So, we will see if that is the case. Again, I think they could still franchise tag him at the last second, but if they do want to let him test his market and see what it truly is, then yeah, that could be you know something that could be beneficial for them, but it also could be risky. You know, if you if you don't have a guy in mind that you think is an upgrade and you lose out on both, uh, then you could be in some potential trouble. But you know, I put a tweet out there, you know, quoting the uh, Pew Report article that was talking about it and basically said, you know, Jameis Winston's market is only Tampa Bay. And, you know, I got a lot of, a lot of interesting reaction from it. Uh, but basically what I meant was I think Tampa Bay is the best fit for Jameis Winston going forward. I think the value, yes, he's going to have other teams that are in- interested, sure. I mean, he's 26 years old. We talked about his, you know, high upside and his potential. So he's, he's going to have some teams interested. I just don't think the value is going to be where it's, you know, 30 million plus. Um, and that's something that the Bucks want to figure out and make sure they don't, you know, pay too much or, you know, they want to get them at the right price back and the right length and contract. So, um, you know, that's why I think they're going to go that way. But overall, I think his best fit is in Tampa because he knows the offense, he knows the players. And I just don't feel like he wants to go to another team and start all over, um, you know, going forward. No, I, I and I agree with the fact that this is his best situation to be in. I would say that, mm-hmm. considering the other teams that will be looking for quarterbacks. And I, I, I was one of the ones that was also like, okay, we're not his only market. Like I kind of said that to him too. I mean, yeah, that was poorly worded <laughs> on my fault. Yeah, I just, I mean, at the end of the day, yeah. Either way, he did throw five thousand yards, thirty-three touchdowns. Yeah, we're mad at the 30 interceptions, but still, there will always be a head coach, a QB coach, a GM that's like, oh, well, that's Tampa. They're dumb. Bring them into our system. We can make them into something special. Right. That's what everyone will always think until you realize, okay, he is what he is. But right now, he's still, like you said, young, 26 years old, and could probably still have potential to turn it around and be this guy that everyone knows his ceiling is. But still, he just keeps doing the same dumb crap. Yeah. Every every season, we kind of pointed out. Now it's like slapped us in the face. But again, people are going to be loyal to one side. Your loyalty should be to the Bucks. And if you're seeing something happen repetitively, you almost want it to get cut out. And if you're still saying hope, it's not going to happen. Right. And it's. It's kind of point blank saying it that way. Yeah, and we've, we've talked plenty of times about the pros for, for keeping Jameis, and uh, we talked about how you know his upside is still tremendous. He's only 26 years old. Uh, he can make every throw that you want out of a yeah. quarterback. He's got all the tools you want. Uh, the problem is the decision-making overall just hasn't been consistent enough where he's up and down with making the right pre-snap reads. Post-snap read is inconsistent as well. There's just times where it, it looks like it's clicking, and then he'll revert back to what you know he's done in the past. Um, and you know, and fans make the point of, okay, well, his interception totals were really not that bad his first four years, and he had the obvious jump to thirty this last year. But you look at it, the interception percentage has continued to rise each year, and that is something that isn't good. Uh, then you look at the overall accuracy of his play. I thought his accuracy was much better this past season. I thought it was, it was pretty solid, but you look at that and just the consistency of it is just not really there when it, when it comes and you break down every game and that's something that it's just been a problem for him. So I'm hoping he can take <laughs> that. Word again. Yeah. A lot of hope. And that's the thing. It's a lot of hope with Jameis Winston and can that turn into actual, you know, fact and, you know, can he make that step? And it just hasn't happened yet. And, you know, are you going to go into each season 
as you continue with him being like, oh, well, he just needs to do this now or he just needs to do that. It's it's kind of been the same story every year. And that's why, you know, from our perspective, we're looking at other options. And that's why we talked about other options on this podcast. It's like, you know, the main thing is winning games. And I know the, the, the wins and losses are not all, all on Jameis Winston. We're not saying that. You know, defensively, we're bad in the first half of last year. Once they got better, we were 5-3 and three in the second half. So, obviously, that makes a difference. Sure. But as you continue to win and you continue to have these bad decisions, and obviously those last two games, I mean, bad decisions continued, you, you see what happened there. You lose close games. And that's what this league is. It's all close games. And you got to have good decision-making down the stretch. Well, to be honest, it, with Cutter, there weren't all close games. <laughs> well, that was, that. again, and then that goes into another, you know, another problem with Mike Smith and his yeah. defense, and that was a mess, obviously. No, but to defend Jameis, someone even threw out small hands. <laughs> Give me a damn break. The dude can make every damn throw possible. Right. Yeah, like, hand, hand size doesn't matter. He has arm strength, everything you can ask for in a quarterback. And that is probably why people hope so much, and I. That's why we hoped so much for five years. But it, it again, yeah, yeah. But enough of the the Jameis bash. I mean, this is more. Yeah. Like you were saying about the franchise tag. Right. Yes, I think it is true. They should let them test it. Right. And also, I mean, what about the transition tag? If if can they still use that? They can use it. Uh, again, it's still the same deadline. It's the, the March 12th, which is coming up soon. Then I wouldn't uh, see why they wouldn't use that. Because weren't some, some people saying about if they get a new uh, CBA or something like that, that the transition tag kind of goes away? Yeah, well, usually you can only use one, oh, or, the, one, oh, one or the other. Um, but right now, as I believe, you can use both you know, the franchise tag and the transition tag as it stands now. Uh, but yeah, that that, that remains to be seen. Also, I mean, we got the news that they're likely to use it on Shaq Barrett, the franchise tag, yeah. that is, if they can't come up with a deal, which makes sense. Um, they don't want to lose that guy. Um, but, you know, I think, it, I think it's wise to let, you know, Jameis see what he has out there. Um, at the same time, if, if some other team comes back with an offer, I think he'll give the Bucks a chance to match and, and maybe even improve on that offer. And then you have him back um, for, you know, this season. But you know that was that was the news. I think over the you know Thursday and Friday we had the Tom Brady rumors and then Jameis. Well, one more point on that. Yeah. About you saying yeah. Mm-hmm. Let him test it, and I guarantee everyone says oh he doesn't owe anything to Tampa. He doesn't. Hmm. But the thing is he's not dumb either. He's going to realize what his best option would be. Would it be again to learn a whole other offense again? Yeah. Or go to a team that he knows he has two of the top ten receivers in the league. Yeah. I- he confidently always said that. Right. And, so, and I look at it, you look at it this way too. I mean, he's got, he just got married. He's got a kid uh, and they're, they're settled here in Tampa Bay. They don't want to move. I mean, and that's, that's the case for most free agents. They don't want to move anywhere um, because they have family set and they have roots here. And, um, you know, Jameis, if the money I think is, is similar, I think he obviously stays here in Tampa. Um, but if some team comes out of nowhere and like, you know, throws 35 million, then it's probably Saranara, you know, see you later. Yeah. Jameis, but uh, and I think also they're going to let him test because obviously and a brand new car. <laughs> <laughs> but I think they're obviously going to let him test because obviously they have someone in mind. If say player A is available and they have a chance to get him, then you know obviously they're going to go after that guy too. Yeah, I mean it's a fine line that they're going to play. Um, yeah. but risky yeah, business. Yeah, no risk and no biscuit. Uh, but yeah, that was that was the news from you know, before Saturday. And then today, you know, we've had the reports of, you know, Jameis likely not coming back. And then we had the, the rumor of um, Teddy Bridgewater being a potential uh, signing. And then also there was some Derek Carr uh, mentioning as well for potential trades. So uh, your thoughts on, on Teddy Bridgewater? Yeah, let's go Teddy first. Yeah. So Teddy Bridgewater, again, I mean, when he was, he was drafted in the first round, Minnesota Vikings, he was, on the uptick until he had his ACL in practice, just going through drills. And then all of a sudden he became a, a non person because Kirk cousins came in. So easily signed back up, back up. And then he shows a face against the bucks. <laughs> throws all over us, goes on that little five game win streak with the saints. 
and now he's a hot commodity. Do I think he is worthy of a high, high contract? I don't, I'm not so sure of that. Do I think he can be a capable quarterback to make good decisions? Absolutely. And, again, everyone with this downfield shit, I'm tired of hearing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the decision-making. That is the biggest key in any offense, whether it is a, an offense that likes to chuck it down the field or it's an offense that's dink and dunk. If, the, if everyone's covering short, you're still going to dink it dunk? No. You're going <laughs> to... If, if there's all 11 defenders are right on the line, you're going to just throw a five-yard pass? No. It's it's reading what's in front of you and going with that. I mean, right. I, that's something I want fans to kind of realize and understand. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, Teddy Bridgewater, he did execute their system. He executed the plan. And, hey, maybe he can do that. Yeah, I agree. He doesn't have arm strength. And maybe that's why some people think we don't need him. Again, it's it's if he can execute a plan correctly. And I think he can do that. Do I think he's proven to have a contract worthy of Jameis Winston? I'm not so sure of that. I, I would I to me honestly, if you were to tell me who's better, Teddy Bridgewater or Winston, at this moment in time, based off of what I've seen, I would probably say Winston. Mm-hmm. Do I say Teddy Bridgewater will make less mistakes yeah i mean but it's that that is a scary line of okay you're going to get rid of winston because of the mistakes but teddy bridgewater hasn't really shown everything that james has so it's do you want to diminish the interceptions or do you want to just to mm, yeah I, it, I don't know it, that that one's a tough one for it me. is so bridgewater tough. yeah i'm i'm almost at a 50 50 on that one right and as far as the reports of Jameis, you know, likely not returning, I, I don't buy any of that. Again, like I said earlier, a lot of it is lies. A lot of it is part of negotiation. Um, who Who's going to tell you, you know, that, you know, the who who on the Bucks are going to tell you that, you know, Jameis is coming coming back definitely. I mean, it's, it's all part of negotiation tactics. And, you know, who, like, if, let's say another team is interested in Jameis, why are they going to tell you that they're interested? You know, that makes no sense. Um so, yeah, a lot of stuff is just being thrown out there. Uh, but as far as the Teddy Bridgewater, and, and that was the big topic today on Twitter as far as scheme fit, um, the main thing is this. Okay, every year, each team is different. You know, every team is different in the way they operate, offensively, defensively, special teams. They're not going to be the same team they were the previous year. It happens every year um, because teams either adjust or they scheme differently or, you know, other teams are scheming differently. Um, you have to make adjustments, right? So, and that comes with new players running the offense. So, if you have a new quarterback, he's not going to run it the same way Jameis Winston did, okay? And Jameis Winston is probably not going to run it the same way he did last year, going into this year, if he is with the Buccaneers, okay? It's going to be different every time. It's different because you have new personnel each year. That's the way that just the league works. Uh, and with that being said, you know Teddy. Like Mark said, Teddy is not going to take a certain shot down the field if he sees another option as an easier throw. It's just the way he operates. He's going to take that safer throw and get the five yards versus Jameis. He's going to trust his arm, and he's going to try to get you know 25 to 30 yards downfield. Um, not saying Teddy can't do that, but Teddy's just under his kind of style of play is just different versus a Jameis Winston, and he's going to adapt to his strengths. You know, same thing with Jameis. They both are going to play to their strengths. And that could lead to a more efficient offense for the Bucks, as you have less mistakes, but it also could lead to less points, and that could mean less wins. But if your defense yeah. is better, maybe that's the way you want to play. Well, pre-podcast, this is what I was talking to you about. With the Eagles, with Carson Wentz and Nick Foles. Right. Carson Wentz is... Similar to Jameis in that he has a cannon for an arm. Aggressive. He'll be aggressive looking for downfield shots. And that's how he was during the season when he almost had his MVP season. He didn't get the MVP that year. No, he didn't. It's yeah, it's cut, cut, ACL, what yeah, cut short. Should have because he was lighting it up. Oh, yeah. And then Nick Foles comes in. Everyone's like, oh, their playoffs are shot. They didn't. Everyone's like, oh, they changed the offense so much for Nick Foles. They didn't really change the offense. It no. was just he was making different decisions in the offense. Exactly. They still did RPOs. 
Nick Foles isn't going to run. There's no chance. They just still looked at one side of the field. If anyone baits on this one damn fake, I'm going to throw it there. Right. And like you said before, it's that was when the RPOs were starting to get used in the NFL a lot more. And p- teams were still like, oh, shit, they're going to run. Mm-hmm. But they didn't. It's And it's just still executing the same plan but with a different mind under center. Right. And it and people get so crazy thinking, yeah. oh, this isn't going to work with this one quarterback. It, and if, if that's the case, then this is the wrong coach. Exactly. Exactly. And, and that's pretty much what fans think. Oh, then this is the wrong coach. We don't need it. Yeah. That's when you start bashing the coaches, upper management, and all hell breaks loose. Right. Like, think a little bit deeper. That's all I'm going to ask to do. Yeah. And, you know, we, we're guilty as well. I mean, we kind of did the same thing with Dirk Cutter in a way. Uh, but you look at the offense. This offense is designed to, to create big plays, obviously. And it's, it, it creates points. But it also has a lot of things within it where there's a lot of options on every single play. Um, and it comes down, like Mark said, the decision-making. Who is at the helm of making those decisions? That's the quarterback. Uh, and it has to be consistently be consistently effective. Uh, and I think it has a chance to be if you have the right decision-maker back there uh, that is doing the right calls and, and making the, the pre-snap reads and making the right post-snap reads. You know, you have a chance to be a very good offense. And... I mean, it put up a lot of yards and a lot of points last year. So, and not to say that Bruce Arians can't come in and make adjustments to certain personnel and make changes to his offense. I think he has in the past, obviously. Um, I mean, the guy won with Drew Stanton. I mean, come on. And he won games with Blaine Gabbert. So, Tim Couch. Exactly. So, in the playoffs. With Tim Couch. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, the guy's a smart man. And obviously, if he has interest in a quarterback, then obviously. It's a scheme fit, you know, point blank. Yeah, so with the play calls and no short passes, this brought up something in my head of the Lions game. Yes, James Winston went off in that game. Very accurate. But if anyone can recall this, I believe this was the second touchdown, second or third, second touchdown that James threw. It was a crossing route, a drag route, a short route. Okay, short route to Perriman, right. dragging all the way across the field, caught it, ran a good 20 yards for 20, 25 yards for a touchdown. Right. They ran that exact same play later in the fourth quarter where Perriman caught his second touchdown, but they moved him from instead of doing the drag route, they moved him to the just out route, just go deep. Mm-hmm. It was the same exact play. They just moved around the players. And then that time, literally Winston read it before there wasn't a – a thousand step drop like people think oh you're gonna get killed because you're gonna have 12 steps 10 steps no it was in shotgun hut hike read where the safety was he threw it over the top because the safety wasn't there let his player get it that's that's what it is that is a short route that just turned into a deep route so there's options there it's where are you looking first in both instances it was okay Jameis had to run around for that shorter route but again the short route was there. Yeah. <laughs> so it's whether he read it faster or not. And he was running around when he when he made that read. It could have been, oh, my deep route isn't there already, so I need to hurry the hell up and get, a, get on to my second read. Jameis likes to trust his arm, like you said, and he sticks on that first read a lot more. Right, right. When he needs to understand the field that's in front of him. Yeah. And that was something where I, I got upset with Winston. He's like, I don't care about what the defense is doing. If we do what we do right, we're going to win ball games. Yeah, that's that a problem. A, that is. It yeah. is. It's a dumb mentality. Yeah. You have to see what's in front of you and know what your players are going to do. So if they're going to go right into the damn defense, mm-hmm. why throw it there? Yeah. That is the problem I have with Winston. That That's one that's of where his, fans don't understand. Yeah, Winston. yeah. That's one of his biggest issues. Like, he can be so consistent where it's like, okay, everything is going right. Everything's good. And then, and that's because he's making that that first read is working most of the time. And it, and when he gets that first read going, uh, he can be lights out. Um, but it's at times where if he doesn't read it correctly pre-snap, and that first read's not going to be open, you know, he tends, like you said, lean on that first read too long. That gets him in trouble. Then he has to do some miraculous escape maneuver, you know, to get away from the pressure because the ball should have been out already. And that shit's beautiful. Don't get me wrong. Right. I, I call it, it Jameis magic. It's pretty. I mean, the you know the first game, for instance. I mean, jukes the shit out of uh, Joey Bosa. Yeah. Or not Joey Bosa. Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa. Um, 
He said, yeah. welcome to the league. Yeah. <laughs> we did. It was dirty. Yeah. I mean, and we were at that game. We saw that perfectly. And, yeah. you know, juked him out like like it was nothing. There was a strike to Mike Evans. Uh, yeah. It's beautiful to see. Um, but the problem is that that happens way too often because he is not seeing option B because he's on option A way too long. Yeah. Um, and that continues to be a problem. And usually that's what leads to that big mistake where it's like, ah, it's like, why, did, why did he do that? And it continues to happen over and over each game, at least, you know, once, once a game and either it doesn't hurt us and we maybe still find a way to win because he's that damn good and he's talented. Uh, but at, at other times it does cost us and it puts us in a bind and you just can't overcome it. And I'll say he does do pre-snap reads. I'll admit he does do pre-snap. Oh yeah, definitely. But definitely. then the post-snap is where he trusts too much right. in his arm or trusts too much in his wide receiver to make the play. Yeah. And that's where you, that's, it's, it's still on you. You said hike. Okay. Read what's in front of you. Right. If the players are going towards that side where you're staring down and you know mm-hmm. that your receiver is going to run right into that alley, you have to go to the next one. You right. have to. Yeah. And, these are things where you haven't seen him progress and get better yeah. at. And that's the thing. He still gets tricked by, you know, the delay, like the the simulated blitzes yeah. where guys drop back into coverage. He still gets fooled on those at times. And even good quarterbacks get it. Yeah, yeah, okay. for sure, for sure. And that's, you know, nothing wrong with that. But, you know, just the consistency of, of being correct um, on his pre-snap reads versus, you know, post-snap reads still needs a lot of work. and. It just hasn't been up to par over that progression. And, and then you can make the case, well, yeah, he didn't get the right coaching. You know, he's finally getting good coaching from Bruce Arians and his staff. Sure, that, that could be an argument that could be made. But at the same time, I mean, Jameis works so hard at his craft, but we just haven't seen the results, um, you know, as far as it just, it just hasn't come together. But personally, I still feel like he's going to be our quarterback in 2020. I just feel like that's the way it's going to go. But – uh, we will see, and that's going to be it's going to be very interesting. Still two weeks, right? Yeah, we still got time. Uh, there's going to be a lot more shit that's going to come out, <laughs> and just I'm like waiting for the Ryan Tannehill. Oh yeah, rumors. that's going to be next. Uh, we didn't even touch on Derek Carr. Well, uh, no, no, let's talk about Derek Carr. Yeah, uh, that was another thing that was. Oh, brought, let you jump on this one first. Yeah, that was another thing that was brought up uh, today uh, by Benjamin uh, Albright. Um, you know, mentioned it. Uh, you know, Derek Carr could be a potential fit. Again, that's a that's one's a little more tricky. You have to trade trade for him likely, and you know offer up some draft compensation. Uh, he has a good contract though. I think he's under contract for three more years, around twenty one to twenty two million, which isn't which isn't bad for a starting caliber quarterback. And he's a guy that you know, <laughs> you know. Again, a lot of fans have the uh, <laughs> the perception that he is a you know a check down Charlie doesn't attack the field uh, vertically or or you know take shots. Um, likes to just throw it short, but you gotta look at the offense he plays in, guys. He's a West Coast offense, you know. He's under John Gruden, um, and obviously there's a little friction there between him and Gruden. I don't think they see eye to eye, and um, you know he takes what what's given to him. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes, barely throws any interceptions. Uh, but when he had weapons to throw down the field, he had one of his best years in his career. I think that was 2016. Uh, he was lights out. So. I mean, I wouldn't mind it. I think that would be a better option than, say, obviously Teddy, or a better option than I would say Philip Rivers, maybe, and um, yeah, maybe even Tom. I don't know. I, I mean, I think it's Ooh, a good. Don't, don't yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think it would be a good option to to go off of. Again, it depends on what you can get him for as far as compensation, but I wouldn't mind it. I mean, so this is my take on Derek Carr. In college, he was a deep down threat quarterback. That's all he did yeah, in Fresno he had State. Devo- Devontae throwing, Adams, yeah. Yeah, just throwing the ball down the field left and right. So he was he did it in college, but I guess he can't do it in the NFL is what people are trying to say. And again, yeah, plus his point was he's in a West Coast offense. We know what John Gruden does in the West Coast offense. It's usually slants, drag, quick, get the ball out of the ball of the Get the ball out of the hands of the quarterback fast. Right. Get it in the hands of your so playmakers. It's a run-first offense as well. It likes to pound the rock. It has fullbacks right. involved. Uh, yeah, it's a, like Mark said, a lot of quick passes. So, I mean, and like he said, I mean, it's a guy that, again, <laughs> limits the turnovers. 
So last year he had 21 touchdowns to eight interceptions. Still threw for 4,000 yards. I'm pretty sure that's not dink and dunk. Okay, I got, it's not 5,000 like Jameis did. But, I mean, like you just said, it was a shorter passing yard. Put him in this same system that Jameis is in. Give him the opportunities to throw the ball as deep as Jameis Winston does and see what the hell he turns into. Is he the 5,033 touchdown but only eight interception guy? Right. You don't know. Yeah. You honestly don't know. I mean, John Gruden has his offense. Bruce Arians has his. Just because one guy is doing something in this system does not mean he's going to be the exact same in the next. Right. So Derek Carr, to me, would be a very, very interesting option. But that's only if they get Tom Brady, I guess. Correct? Because they're not going to get rid of Derek Carr. No. Unless they have someone already in their hands. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's kind of the same situation we're facing with Jameis Winston right now. I think the Bucs are obviously looking at other options besides Jameis. Um, obviously, they have one guy in mind, and if they can't get that certain guy, then obviously they're going to try to get Jameis back in here. Again, it's a fine line that they're going to play, but I think that's that's the way they're looking right now. Again, this could all be – again, it's it's line season. I mean, the Bucks could love Jameis. They could probably already have a deal you know, uh, yeah. constructed right now and just waiting till that final moment to say, okay, this guy's not going to be there. Let's sign the deal, get it done. Etc. Or you know they they just have a deal and they're not going after any of these guys. It's just nonsense. So let me just this is blowing my mind. So is there true like controversy with Derek Carr and John Gruden? Well, I know there's been reports like they haven't really you know gotten along. I think there's been some you know you know how John Gruden is with quarterbacks. I mean, but that's just usually what wants to light a fire in their ass. That's all he's trying to do. Right. Right. So, I mean, I'm just looking at his numbers. He completed 70% of his passes. 70. Yeah. Okay. 4,054 yards, 21 touchdowns, like I said earlier, eight interceptions. And he had a QB rating over 100. You know how hard it is? Jameis isn't going to complete 70% of his passes ever. <laughs> and you're going to – yeah, okay, it's a dink and dunk. Okay. Still, I mean, give me five shots deep. And we'll bring it down to 68, 65. Right. That's still better than 60, like yeah. Jameis did today, or not today, this year. Right. And I'm not saying Jameis is a piece of shit at all. I'm just saying, like, there's no way Gruden's mad at this. <laughs> 70% completion percentage. Again, like, it, it, it goes, yeah, it goes back to what I was saying. A lot of people are just lying right now. Um, you know, there's been reports that, you know, the Raiders are going after Tom Brady. We've seen reports of the Chargers. Uh, you know, Colts being interested in Philip Rivers, Tom Brady, etc. I guess that's why Tom Brady really is the biggest chip to fall. Oh yeah, he's going to be the first domino. I think once once he goes where he needs to go, then you're going to see everyone follow in line, and it's going to happen very quickly. So that's why the Bucks have to be on it and make sure they're not left without a said quarterback um, at the helm. You know, better than Blaine Gabbert or Ryan Griffin. So. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that was, that was pretty much it for, I just wanted to get that out there, you know, just talk about that and, and, uh, good points by, by, uh, Mark talking about how, yeah, I mean, he's right. Uh, You know, each player and, and said system is going to have a different outcome. You know, it just depends on that kind of player's strengths and what they like to do. So yeah, you got to look at a little bit, a little bit broader picture than just narrowing it down to, okay, this guy had this stats and, you know, et cetera. Okay, he played this way with this team, so he's going to be not a good fit for what we do. You know, that just that's not how it works. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think what we had next on the agenda, I think we wanted to, yeah, combine takeaways. Yeah, that, so, that did take place. Yeah, <laughs> that did. And, uh, yeah, I wanted to get away from the quarterback talk and, um, you know, pretty <laughs> much. three minutes. Did it really? <laughs> yeah. Shit. That's not what I wanted to have happen. I wanted to be quick and but fast. But still, it's going to be the biggest talk until it happens. I know, be I know, but. It almost, it, hey, in the drama, people like drama. I know. Hell, I wanted to get away from it. Why watch all these shows on TV? Like, that is true. I mean, I was one. I was watching Daredevil, like, pretty much all weekend. So, uh, my wife's walking, watching private practice. <laughs> it's drama shit. You know, it's going to happen on Netflix. Yeah. If y'all, y'all have girlfriends or wives, private practice. They'll love it. There's sex. There's yeah. lies. There's uh, a whole bunch of shit. It's drama. That's <laughs> all it is. Death. A bunch of shit. Oh, man. But go on. Take yeah. Buccaneer football. <laughs> 
But yeah, so I wanted to, yeah, so let's transition from the QB talk and uh, combine takeaways. Man, I think it's obvious the Bucks want some offensive linemen. I think you would agree with that. Yeah, I mean, they pretty much talked with every offensive lineman that was at the combine, I would say. Um, you know, obviously the big takeaway is those top four offensive tackles are studs. Um, you know, Makai Becton, you know, just mammoth of a man. Like, mm. that guy's not human. Uh, Jedrick Wills, uh, Andrew Thomas, Tristan Wirfs, Jesus. Like, all those guys uh, tested very well and played well. I think all of them met with the Buccaneers probably, most likely. Um, yeah, I mean, if the Bucks can land one of those guys in the first round, I think that's a, a very good, solid draft to start. Um but they might not be there now. I mean, they might all go top 12. God, that uh, would suck. <laughs> it would be a Bucks life for sure. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, that was probably the biggest takeaway for the Bucks perspective, uh, looking at offense alignment. And then you look at the other positions that they were looking at. You had a lot real, of run. Real quick. Yeah, there go ahead. seven of 18 of the formal interviews that were all offensive alignment. Yeah, exactly. And all of them look very likely to be either first round or high second round picks. So. Yeah, top 50 players. Yeah, so, I mean – they're really pushing the offensive line. Like they obviously noticed there was a weakness, and again, running backs. There's good running backs on that formal interview list as mm-hmm. well. And guys, they're still going to also interview leading up to the draft. So right. you, you got- still don't know just because like a guy you liked is not on that formal interview list doesn't mean they're not going to interview him. Yeah, and they pretty much talk to everybody that is there at the combine. Um, this is just the reported uh, interviews. Again, they probably talk to everyone that is. Um, at some point, they talk to everyone that is there, whether it's just, you know, through a bar or through a hallway or whatever. Um, a bar. Yeah. I hope one of those prospects isn't at a bar. Probably not. That's just, you know, that's probably for the GM stock. But, uh, <laughs> but, so, Jameis, what do you think about him? That yeah. sucks down a shot. <laughs> yeah. You know, Bruce Arians and his whiskey. So. That's true. Yeah. Um, but like I was saying, you know, they're looking at everyone, and then you have your top 30 visits that you know is later to come in the month of March and April. You got your pro days that they talk to to players. So, but yeah, the running backs. I mean, there's there's a lot of good uh, running backs on that list. I like that you know they had Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, uh, Clyde uh, Edwards Hilaire on there. Pretty much all the top running backs, um, and then they had a lot of good defensive uh, players as well. Defensive tackles, defensive line, uh, edge rushers. You name it. So they were pretty much looking at all options. You had some safeties on there. So For Florida State fans, Cam Akers was on that list. Yeah, Cam Akers definitely, I think, moves up the draft boards. And that's something I talked about. I was like, yeah, he's a top 75 player now. But probably at the end of this process, he's going to be a top 50 player. Um, and probably drafted pretty high because he's got a lot of talent, uh, a, lot of, a lot of good stuff uh, from Cam Akers. He's, he's stout. He's Built like a NFL running mm-hmm. back that you want today that can catch the ball, block. Right. He can do just about anything, and he ran behind a crappy O-line. Right. So, yeah, he, he probably will be either at the cusp of top of the second round because I mean, it's hard-pressed to get a running back in the first round. And if, in case someone really wants him, maybe, but I think he's a second-round guy. Yeah I, yeah, I have him at least top 75, so he's he's right there. Um, Jonathan Taylor, I mean, that was very impressive. Four three nine at at that size, and yeah, he's uh, he's he maybe, he's probably first one taken off. He he might be. I mean, a lot of people were saying DeAndre Swift, but I think DeAndre is probably in that you know second round range right there with yeah. you know the rest of J.K. Dobbins and based you know, purely on size, I would assume. Right, he's five eight. That's true. I mean, a, a lot of them are are shorter. Um, but you look at Akers and, and Taylor, they have that size and speed and everything you want. So that was really nice to, to see that the Bucks are looking at the perceived needs by, say, the fans. And yeah. they're looking at those options and they know what the problem is. And it looks like we're finally probably likely to get that, you know, offensive lineman in the first round since oh, Keanu please. Walker. So, uh, but we'll see. Um, again, there's going to be a lot of good players and you know, offensive line might go early, and then you're you might have to look at a Caleb Von Chase on, which wouldn't be a bad choice at all. So, um, other combine takeaways. I mean, obviously you had the quarterbacks uh, through, and a lot of things looked good from there. I thought uh, Justin Herbert looked good. I thought uh, Jalen Hurts had a good uh, workout. Um, but overall, I mean, you look at this combine, and 
don't really change the the rankings of players. Yeah, you have some guys move up and down just based on if they're tied, you know, as far as game tape goes. But really it comes back to the tape, comes back to the interviews, the medicals, all that comes into combination. Uh, But, yeah, it's a good week, um, you know, for teams to get a better understanding of these guys and and learn what they are as people and uh, see what you have. But uh, I didn't have anything else as far as takeaways. You had anything else, Mark, do you want to add? Well, mine was just how freakishly long um, Andrew Thomas is from Georgia. All the tackles are long. I mean, but, just, just but he six. Yeah, he's in an eighth inch arms. I think it was. Yeah, like you usually see thirty four. Like everyone got crapped all out when Jonah Williams last year threw a what thirty three and didn't throw. His arms were only like thirty three and three fourths. Right. Everyone's like, oh, you you at least want thirty four. Yeah. Oh, he's a guard. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, you push him into guard. He's a piece of shit. Yeah. We, yeah. That's another thing. Like Tristan Worse before the combine, yeah. it's like, oh, he's push a, him into guard. He's an all pro guard. Then he just kills the combine. Oh, and, no, no, exactly. <laughs> everybody's like, he got the thirty four inch arms. They're like, keep him outside. And I'm like, yeah, that's where he needs to play. It's, he's a he's a so tackle. <laughs> the dude's an athletic freak. Yeah. And just powerful. You can play. teach technique. Yes. You just you can't teach size, and the dude has it, right? And can move with that size, exactly. But Andrew Thomas is that arm length just blew me freaking away. Um, really, yeah. Rugs running the four two seven that was fun. <laughs> yeah, to see a lot of people like him. For do you, do you, do you think he's the first receiver taken? No, no. I think Judy. Not a chance. Ju- I think it's Judy or CD Lamb. CD Lamb. Got to be. I don't yeah. care if CD Lamb ran a four five. Like those right. two are worthy of that top. It's got to be Judy. Yeah. I mean, Judy put up the big-ass numbers. Ruggs just ran the fastest. His, his separation is just so elite. I think that... Oh, it, it is, yeah. but, I mean... I mean, Judy did some shit. No, I'm talking about Judy's separation. Oh, I, I think he meant, like, Ruggs. No, just, yeah. I mean, Ruggs can separate for sure, but I, I just... Judy, I think, is right now the complete complete player. Uh, but that'll be interesting, just the whole receiver class in like, general. Judy can catch it short, make a move, make a miss, and go. I feel Ruggs is more to quick slant, go routes, out routes, like stuff where it's one plant go. Mm-hmm. Judy can catch it, make you miss, and go, and even break tackle, just do whatever the hell he wants yeah. with the ball. Right. And that speed maintains so while yeah. he's moving. Yeah. And that, that, that's special. Right. It's, I, uh, he's just, I agree. He's very, very good players, put it that way. Um, other than that, just, I guess the running backs, yeah, they're short. But they're all fast. Yeah, a lot of fast running backs. Um, quarterbacks. Yeah, Jordan Love ran pretty damn fast. Uh, Jake Fromm didn't do anything spectacular at all, but we all expected that. Right. Um, oh, and then I guess his little baby hands. Eight, <laughs> seven, eighths. Yeah, always hand size. He didn't get the nine. Right. Yeah. I mean, but then again, I, I'm all about arm length when it comes to tackles and guys in the trenches. But when it comes to quarterback play, just – Give me a good decision maker and don't have below eight inch hands. Right. <laughs> I guess. But I mean yeah. he holds it well. Other than that, anyone else pop out to you? I mean Yeah, I'm trying to I mean Yeah, Isaiah Simmons had his crazy. Oh yeah, like Simmons that. is yeah. I mean we we expected that. I mean the guy is a freak on tape and uh everywhere. And it's interesting that he wants to be a linebacker. I thought that was I was interesting. So you know, he wants to be strictly linebacker versus, you know, safety. Yeah, so – but I, I still feel like he's probably going to be playing everywhere. He's going to be like that Duran James type of type of player. Uh, I'm trying to think of he's any – still crazy. He was yeah. the fourth – or tied for second in fastest among the corners. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> oh That's it. God. That's impressive. 6'4", 238. Right. Woof. Yeah, very impressive. Um yeah, I'm trying to think of any others that really stood out. I mean, I was just, I was overall. The punter with the, the bench press. <laughs> <laughs> I was just overall impressed with Mackay Becton. I mean, that guy running a 5-1 at his size, 6'7", 364 pounds, only 17% body fat. That means he's in ridiculous shape. Big hoss. Yeah. I mean, like, he's well put together. He's just a, a freak of nature. Like, you don't find guys made like that. You know, and um, yes, he needs technique work. But like we said earlier, technique can be coached up. Ah, man, I just it just stinks because he's he's not going to be there at fourteen. I just don't see it. I I don't see him being available for Tampa Bay. Um, probably doesn't get past ten. You know, to Cleveland. 
So that's that's the rough news because he would be an awesome pick. But at the same time, if you get Andrew Thomas, then you're looking pretty as well. I mean, you can't teach that length. Mm-mm. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-mm. All right, with that, let's – you want to jump into fans' questions? Yeah, let's uh, – yeah, I mean, I want to talk a little bit about the 2020 roster. Right, um, you know, just looking at it from a roster standpoint, I think it's in pretty good shape. Uh, I think you got obvious strengths at, you know, receiver. Uh, I think your interior offensive line is, is pretty solid. Uh, you look at uh, the tight end position, I think it's pretty pretty set um, as it is now. So I think you got some good strengths. Um, and I just wanted to talk about some certain guys that, you think could like really take that next step and jump uh, similar to like a Rojo or Alex Kappa. Um, you know, one of my candidates is, is uh, Zach Bailey and also um, uh, Ah Claire, the tight end. I think those guys could have uh, potential for, for up leap. Well, my easy initial or two guys on defense, Mike Edwards and Anthony Nelson, right? Anthony Nelson barely got on the field, but when he was, it, he seemed like a smart player. Imagine when he starts playing fast, healthy, and going. So, I mean, that's one dude for me. Mike Edwards always played fast. It was just slowing the game down and mentally making it right. And give him another year to think and learn and really dive deep into this defense where he's seen his other teammates benefit and learn when healthy. Let's see what he can do. And he, right. to me, he was the most heady player of all, all the guys we drafted coming out of Kentucky. And I thought he would be more game ready, but I guess his injuries held him back. But Yeah. Do you see him making a, a similar jump like Carlton Davis did? I think it, I think it's possible that yeah, yeah. He, he makes that kind of leap where everything starts to click and he's not playing overly too aggressive or not playing aggressive enough. He's getting that right feel for the game and being able to diagnose before the play actual happens. Yeah, and the dude – that's the biggest thing, diagnosing what yeah. what's going to happen, not right. just going full speed. Being in the right spot. Yeah. yeah. And based on his limited time that he had, I, I don't think it's going to be as fast as um, Carlton. Carlton Davis had. But overall, based on athletic ability and the fit for the aggressive style defense that we have, he is it. Mm. And I think those two spots, like him next to Jordan Whitehead or, dare I say, Justin Evans comes back healthy, that's it. That becomes like you've you've said in the past a, a strength a strength yeah for sure. So Mike Edwards and Anthony Nelson are my two on defense okay. offense. I I don't want to say his name like Justin Watson right, but he I I thought he would have had that jump last year. Maybe it was just the new offense learning it. He confused a lot, but I I would have hoped to see a bigger jump right faster, but. What do you think of um, – we'll just throw this one out real quick. Uh, what do you think of Gerald Hawkins? I, I think he's a free agent, but yeah. what do you think if – I'm sure they probably bring him back for cheap just to get a longer look, but do you think he could be a guy that can make that jump and maybe be like at least a depth starter where you have him as a you know sixth or seventh lineman? I mean, it's something to me that you traded for this dude. Right. I mean, yeah, it was a six-round pick, but still, like you went out, saw what he did against you in preseason. It was like, I want this guy. Because not only because I see us having a need at offensive line, which they figured out in the preseason last year, guys. It's not like they didn't know. They just didn't have the capability of adding more. You right. can't fix all your problems in one offseason. You just can't. So hopefully they do address it in the first round immediately this year. It's not the pretty pick, but it's the right pick. But, I mean, Hawkins, yeah, I, I hope they bring him back and I hope he's potentially something that can become something. Right. And – from what I saw against us, when he played against us, he did well. He did very well. He reading stunts, moving his sliding his feet over, not getting beat by speed. Like he right. did well. I mean, maybe it was against second, third teamers, but you got to show it against that before you show it against the ones. Right. No, so, I agree. I, I think he comes back. I would hope he comes back. Yeah, I think that would be a good one. Um, you know, obviously I mentioned Zach Bailey, who I think can can maybe be that replacement for uh, Watford. Um, as you know the backup guard and he showed promise so hopefully he takes the next step and then you know i'll I'll just name one on defense and then we'll get to uh, fans questions um and wrap this up but uh, patrick o'connor i think he could be a guy that could really step in and and make some plays i thought he played very well the last two games of the year um, when called upon and i think he could be someone that could take uh 
you know, a leap in, in play. So it's definitely playing time for sure. Uh, but with that being said, uh, let's get into uh, fans' questions and uh, we'll yeah. wrap it up. So this is first oh, – before I get into questions, real quick on Zach Bailey. I really liked him out of South Carolina. Dude is a mauler, just great in the run game. Y'all want the run game, so I think it would be a good fit. It would be cool to see how he takes a step forward. Right. Hell yeah. And we kept him in the practice squad the whole time, right? Right. So, yeah. yeah, I think he was on he was on injury reserve, I think. But either yeah. way. I mean, yeah, but yeah, he's on the team. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay, let's move on to questions. On Twitter, this is from Tommy. He says, how big of a chance do you see us trading back a few spots to, to collect a couple picks uh, to get back into the first round after our selection? Yeah, I think it's possible. And like we talked about earlier with offensive tackles, I mean, if they're all gone, you know, in, in the top 13 um, and you don't have really an option there, and, and let's say you do bring back a Shaq Barrett and JPP, so you don't really have the necessary need to draft a Kayla Von Chase on, or maybe they do bring Sue back as well, so you don't really have the need for uh, Kinlaw, um, even though they probably should take one of those two guys, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, and if some team comes up calling, let's say like the Eagles call for a receiver because they want to get Henry Ruggs and jump ahead of uh, the Denver Broncos, yeah, I could definitely see that be an option where they make a trade and you know get some picks. And I think that would be a wise decision. Um, then you can use those extra picks if you want to move up for say a Jonathan Taylor or a you know another offensive lineman like um, uh, Jackson from uh, USC or someone like that who or maybe a Josh Jones. Yeah, yeah. so. Definitely an option. Uh, good question, Tommy. Yeah, I mean, I think both you and I are of the the idea of trading back always, especially if your guy isn't there. Right. If you, I, I'm of the idea of let's trade up to make sure we get our guy. If our if we can't do that and our guy isn't there, trade back to find the next guy that you do want. Right. Or if you do know the guy that you really do want, based off of value won't be there you're hearing rumblings oh they don't like him they want this guy yeah especially in the draft when it gets that close people are calling saying oh do you, you want to trade up want to trade down uh, everyone's always doing that right exactly you always hear that after the draft yeah so i mean i think the big key with that like you're saying is like if if the drop off from say player a to player b is like significant then obviously the right move is to trade down and 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 get a similar player of that caliber. Like, if you can't get that elite prospect that you yeah. think is going to be there. If one of those there, four offensive tackles aren't there. Right. Wirfs, Wills, Becton, or Thomas aren't there. God, you'd hope four of the offensive tackles at 14 would, hopefully one of them would be there. Mm-hmm. If they aren't, I would not be mad if we traded back. Right. And hope Caleb Von Chason's there. Mm-hmm. Or if, I, I highly doubt Ken is going to be there either. Yeah. So... That puts you in limbo. Okay, who wants something more so we can apply more to our team, right? So yeah. it give you more leverage or hell. You can even find other ways to trade it. You don't You don't know. Mm-hmm. But I I think we both are of that mind. Yeah. What do you think of like trading back up, up into the first round with the extra picks? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Especially if you can get, say when you traded back, you got an offensive lineman you still liked but picked up a pick, mm-hmm. and you can kind of trade back in for, say, a Jonathan Taylor, like Laura mentioned right. a podcast ago, or um, a Robert Swift, or so, mm-hmm. someone that you really value, a guy that can catch the ball, yeah. can be an all-you-can-do all running right. back. What Why about, not? yeah, or maybe a safety, like you mentioned today, uh, Antoine uh, Winfield Jr. Yeah. So Again, downhill, aggressive, smaller, Teron Matthew kind of type, like mm-hmm. that fits in this system. Right. Strong, heady guys that will attack downhill. I mean, we'll see. Mm-hmm. It, but there's a, there's always options open. That's why the draft is so damn fun to watch. It is. It is. But let's go on to the next question. Awesome question, Tommy. This is from Randy A. Flynn. He's actually had a couple questions nowadays. I like that. Mm-hmm. He says, for a team that hasn't been a perennial, perennial playoff team, a league of parity, how is it every year we have a need instead of a luxury pick? Chase on sitting there as a potential JPP Shaq 20 year old two five year contract guy. But so we have a freaking need hamstrung by our left tackle and right tackle this year. Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, and I think that's, that's the thing with Jason light. Like, but he really hasn't, he really hasn't a drafted uh, per se need 
um, in the draft. I mean, he's taken what he feels is the best player available um, regardless of what position is. I mean, we drafted Devin White, uh, inside linebacker at five last year. That was a need. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was definitely a need. It just so happened that need matched best player available at the time or in his eyes. But, um, yeah, I mean, that that's a good question, though. I mean, I, I think you always have needs. I mean, you're always going to have needs. No team is built perfectly. Um, I think you – Versus need and luxury pick, I think it's just, I think it's that, what's the word I'm looking for? Eye of beholder or the beholder? Eye of the beholder. Yeah, it's like, you know, Mackay Becton could be a luxury pick, you know? If he falls, yeah. Right. I mean, I think he's just saying that every time. But I love Chi, I love Chi, Caleb on Chase on. I mean, I think that'd be an awesome pick. Oh, I agree. I, yeah. But th- that's the thing. So, yes, he would. He didn't actually have great production. Mm-hmm. So, you're you're basing this off of potential, right. which again is Makai Becton. Like, yeah. He there were times where technically sound he wasn't there, and he's just a giant athlete. Yes, you you hope that turns into something special and. When you see him running around, you're like, how the hell is that possible? Like, that dude that size, six, 17% body fat, like you said? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. But it's, again, you're you're drafting based off of potential. Mm-hmm. And it, that is scary for some teams. Some teams just don't want that. They don't want risk. They want, give me a sure thing. Right. And and that just happens that sure thing lines up with their needs yeah. and yeah. it ends up being a good pick. I mean, Devin um, White is a good example of that. Yeah. 100% exactly. example. Exactly. Um, and I think it's it's... It's why the draft isn't a science, isn't science. Like if it was, and everybody would be successful at it. But it just, I mean, you see it every year. A certain guy gets picked way ahead where he should go, or you see a guy that falls and you know ends up having a great career. So, yeah, I mean, it's just balancing act. Um, yeah, yeah, and emotion gets into this too, right? Like, because it's not just the GM with a phone making the selection. There's a whole bunch of guys that went into recruiting or not recruiting, scouting. Right. And, and they want to bang the table yeah. for their guy. Right. Yeah. So you're like, Oh, he's still there. Come on. Yeah. That's our guy. We've, we've talked about this. You know, this, mm-hmm. so you hear that you hear the GM saying, you sure this is the right pick? Like, so it's a lot of shit's going on. Mm-hmm. And like you said, there's going to be guys picked way higher than they should. And then there's going to be guys that fall based off of, Oh, they're, their 40 wasn't fast enough. Right. But they had shit ton of production. So, I mean, that's why it's not a perfect science. It's still fun as shit to watch. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why uh, Cleveland Farrell went fourth overall. Was it right. fourth? Yeah. yeah. Jeez. No yeah. one no one saw that. No. And and Antonio Brown even said it. Dumbass picked fourth <laughs> overall. <laughs> but, I mean, hey, it's, to me, are we picking, I mean, O.J. Howard was not a need pick. Right. That was a luxury pick. That was a luxury pick. 100%. That's that's an example of a luxury pick. Yes. Like, obviously, you look at so that. We don't do that every year, right? You you look at that draft, and you could say uh, you could say Dalvin Cook was probably the bigger need. I mean, let's be honest. Hands down. Yeah, we could say he was the bigger need, and they probably, looking back on it, probably should have taken him. But that's here or nor there. Um, well, offensive line's been a need for a while. We haven't really addressed that. Exactly. Yeah. So and. You know, that just goes back to, you know, handle of resources and, and where you're putting things, where you're drafting certain positions. Um, you know, Jason Light has drafted offensive linemen, but they just haven't panned out because they're day three guys that just haven't matched, um, you know, potential. I wonder where Caleb Beninock is these days. I think he's in the league. <laughs> no clue. Before we end this podcast, I just have to look this up. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's a free agent still. I know he's he bounced around a lot last year going through See, different he teams. Is, he's on the Detroit Lions. Okay. That must be tackle. that must be recent. Wow. Last year he went from not getting signed by us to the Patriots, to the Panthers, to the Cowboys, to the Lions. He was on four teams in one year. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of stops. Wow. Damn. So, I mean, <laughs> all of y'all know Caleb Beninock, and we we were not a big fan of him, and a lot of Buck fans weren't a fan of him. So, like I say, not a lot of teams are holding on to him either. But not here to bash the dude. No. 
I just call what I see in tape. That's about it. Mm-hmm. Well, other than that, guys, the QB talk will keep going on for a while until there's know. a decision made. Uh, we Danny don't want to. Danny would plan to do 30 minutes no. of it tonight, but we did. <laughs> I guess it's just me blurting out, you know, just continuing to talk and Mark, you know, same. And but it's good, it's good, it's good conversation. It's fun to talk about, and um, yeah, it's gonna be a wild next couple of weeks as we continue to go through, uh, get closer to free agency and, and the draft. So gonna be lots of fun. Uh, but again, thank you guys for the questions, and um, yeah, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be wild. So buckle up and go Bucks. <laughs>